podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the AI Premier League preview show. No, I'm not Harry Setti. Unfortunately, I am stepping in, so you get to hear a bit of me for for the uh, review and the preview. Sorry about that, listeners, but I am stepping in for Harry. He just had to uh, deal with something tonight, but we uh, couldn't pass up the uh, chance to talk to two of our brilliant guests here. Uh, First, I'll introduce the Liverpool fan. Uh, Sam, how are you doing, Sam? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Um... Really happy with the opportunity to actually look forward now after that uh, midweek game. Yeah, I've, I've tried to block that from uh, my memory <laughs> with that one. <laughs> and the Fulham fan joining us is Matthew Reese baldwin How are you doing, Matthew? Evening. Thanks very much for having me on. And you think your midweek was bad? You should have. Had, you should have seen our Monday. We had a far <laughs> worse week. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. But as always, Matthew, we, we do start with uh, the opposing fun. Um, <clears throat> so after a successful season in the championship to secure uh, promotion, um, you've obviously had a bit of a nightmare start. Um, so just to start off, what were your expectations with, with the coming into the Premier League? Obviously you spent loads of money, but what, what was the realistic expectations? Um, I think most of the expectations uh, varied depending on uh, the kind of supporter you listen to. Now, I'm a realistic supporter. I you know, didn't see us really doing all that much. I, I remember... I think one of the power rankings thing, it may have been the Daily Mirror for some reason, is coming to my mind, is coming to mind, um, had us as the eighth best team, sort of after the transfer window shut, had us the eighth best team in the yeah. league, which I thought was absolute nonsense. If you look at the turnover of players that we've had, you knew there was always going to be a, a gelling in period while Slav tried to work out what his best team is. And unfortunately, it's just her having that this gelling in period has taken all of, you know, up until this point, up until this point in November, and it may still need to go on. I just think the the amount of money we saw, the amount of money I can sort of I can sort of understand because you know we get you get a hundred million for finishing bottom of the league anyway. So this was essentially a gamble. It, we're going to spend all this money, we're going to get it back, and then hopefully use that as the investment. And then you know after after uh, come next August, that will all be paid off, and we mm-hmm. can and we can sort of start fresh. But obviously the the gambling, the maths of it just hasn't worked out. I thought 12, play, 12 players was far was far too many. Um, it doesn't matter. But the squad absolutely needed tweaking. Um, our two fullbacks, for instance, uh, both left us in Ryan Fredericks and Matt Target. They obviously they, uh, they need replacing. The centre backs I didn't think were were up to Premiership quality. It, you know, we finished the end of the season with Dennis Adore and Tim Ream. I didn't think were Premier League quality. So they had to be fixed. The midfield three of McDonald, Kenny, and Hansen. I sort of thought that could that could work as a three, so that really didn't mean much changing. And then up front, Ryan Sessegnon has just been, you know, was fantastic last year and has been okay this year. Uh, right, uh, Alexander Mitrovic and maybe a right winger because Abubakar Kamara, who ended the season, again, still just that little bit, just that little bit shy of premiership quality. So we absolutely needed to make the changes, but I just think we made too many and it and this whole gelling in period has really cost us. So you obviously mentioned you made a lot of signings there and uh, Harry's 
brilliantly uh, provided me with a list and a link to them, uh, which I bloody needed, considering how many there were. But, um, obviously, the big names there, you've got your Jean-Michael uh, Serri, who's obviously linked with... Um, Barcelona and Chelsea, if I remember correctly. Uh, you spent big money on Anguissa, uh, Mitrovic, obviously you mentioned, and a host of all others, I mean, even uh, Andre Shirley, who's obviously got a big reputation as well. Um, you mentioned positionally the ones you need, but in terms of the early start of the season, because it is still early, let's be honest, is who, who would you classify as your good and your bad? Obviously, there's still that settling in period, but is there any that have jumped off the page? I know it's been a tough start, but any of that settled right quick? Um, For the very few minutes that he has played, because he's becoming a backward injury, I think Alfie Mawson was a fantastic signing. I mean, we haven't, we haven't seen much of him this year, but when he's back and fully immersed into the first team, I think things will be will get better because he is a fantastic centre half. In terms of the other players, John Marcel Sherry, I I honestly think is in the mood of I just want to do enough to get by so next summer mm-hmm. I can I can, you know, pull an Kante and get my move to to whoever, you know, whoever the next highest bidder is. He he just comes across with that sort of attitude. And Gisa, our biggest, you know, our record signing. Hasn't been great. Maybe he's just uh, failing to adapt to uh, failing to adapt to the system as much as many. Because we try and play a four three three, and I, uh, the commentators on Sky on Monday said he's more comfortable in a two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it, but in all honesty, if you're buying a player who can't adapt to the system, then really you've spent you spent it on the wrong player. Um, and then a couple of others, Vieto, um, who came along who came along as the other forward along with Schurler, mm-hmm. has been okay. A bit, but I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly classify him as a starter. And Andre Schell has been getting a lot, of, been getting a lot of stick, but he again is one of the few players that I think has been putting in significant or you know, significant enough effort. No, not not to get a complete pass from me and from the rest of the Fulham faithful, but he's not quite. Uh, fans aren't quite on his back on his back yet. And in terms of, in terms of the bad, the obvious one has kind of, has been Callum Chambers. I again, mm-hmm. I think there's some there's something in there, but I don't know if it's again he's failing to adapt to the system, or if Slav's putting him in the wrong places. Like a Cardiff away, he played a right as a right back, which I don't think is really, which I really don't think is a good position for him. I think he's more suited as a centre back, and it's something I've said on on many other podcasts. I think if we need to sort something. We need to go to a back three. And if, if you have a back three of uh, Maxine and Alshon, there's another one who's been really impressive uh, for from a number of Fulham fans. Lemar uh, Shon on the left, Alfie Morton in the middle, and Karen Chambers at that right centre-back, sort of the hybrid between the right-back and centre-back, I think he's going to be able to flourish. But he just can't work as you know, in a two as a centre, in a centre-back as a two, or as a right-back. So, again, there's some tweaks that still need to be, there's some tweaks that still need to be made. Whether or not Slavis is going to be around to make those tweaks or see those tweaks in, uh, you know, after this week is a completely different matter. Well, seeing as you brought it up, I mean, what what what's your personal take on the manager's future then? Because obviously, it's a, I've heard a couple of Fulham fans, obviously on on um, the EPL index, uh, there's a Fulham fan on there. I'm sure I've heard him say that Yukanovic probably won't get sacked, and you won't see Fulham hire a, a Sam Allardyce or one of these. Um, old guard managers. I mean, do you do you agree with that? Do you think staying in the Premier League is the be all and end all, or do you think there's a way that Fulham should be playing football? 
Um, no, I'm personally one of these. I couldn't give a toss about how you know, how the team plays so long as we win. So, in my mind, if we have to bring in a Sam Allardyce to stay up, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be totally against it. But at the same time, we being in the Premier League, and I don't know if I'm sort of getting ahead of myself or you know I'm getting delusions of grandeur. But similar to how Swansea went out and got uh, Carlos Carvajal, mm. it's sort of something. Uh, yes, there's the short term idea in there as well, but also for the long term. Um, you know, I've seen these names. Uh, Jardim has been has been banded around. I've seen Brendan Rodgers banded around. Someone people. I saw Arsene Wenger, which is completely nonsense. <laughs> That'll be so, yeah, someone's getting ahead of themselves. I again also would again. I want to stay up at, at, at whatever cost. And if that means getting in Sam Allardyce for the remaining six months and then resetting again in the summer, I'd be fine with that. But at the same time, if you told me that we'd be getting one of these new up, new up and coming, or no, Jardim uh, is not exactly up and coming, but yeah. one of these bigger name managers who can keep us up and then try and create a, a long-term philosophy going forward. Um, then I'd be okay with that as well. In fact, I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago, which was heavily backlashed by the fans, but it's gone quite right. I honestly wouldn't mind um, knocking on uh, Mike Ashley's door and saying, any chance we can get Benitez off you? Because there's a guy who I... That's a shout, that. Yeah, I I knew that would go down well on Liverpool. (laughs) You won't Um, find any haters here. I won't allow it. (laughs) um, Yeah, someone who... Again, he's talking the way he talked about it on the uh, um, uh, the way he talked on Tide Side is how he has this sort of long term ambition and it's a project. And I said everything that he wants to do in Newcastle, we can offer the exact same down here, and mm. we've actually got the the resources, a decent academy, a long term future with developing the Riverside Sand. We've got all that that can that, that can back up the idea the idea of a project. So. so so, I don't know. Go back, back to the original point. I wouldn't mind if we went for Sam Allardyce, you know, one of these firefighter managers. But at the same time, if we went for a, a long-term progressive manager as well, as long as he kept us up, I'd be absolutely fine. Mm. What, what, what do you think the owners will think of that personally? Because I know, I know, or I think I've heard that uh, it, it took a while for you to find Yukanovic as kind of the perfect blend for the for the owner. Is, do you think he, he feels the same way as you do? Or do you think he's the one who wants this attractive more attractive style of football, and that would probably put him off a, 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 an Allardyce, etc. What What do you think the owners are, are looking for in, in the football club? Um, I personally think just because of the um, the amount of money that that has been invested, I think it's a I think it's a little bit of both. If I'm mm. being brutally honest, like as I mentioned, we've got the Riverside Stand that's coming up to being built, and we're not going to that, that's going to be that's going to be a white elephant if all of a sudden we have to we go down. And you know, we have to start again. That I think that plan that plan's going to be scrapped. Um, but also, I think there is the long term. There they do have the ideas of the long term um, manager. And you said how you know it took a while to sort of find Yukanovic. I think they always had uh, Slavica Yukanovic in mind from the day they sacked, or you know, two weeks before they sacked Kit Simons mm. back in 2000 and, uh, 2015. But because he was manager of Maccabi Hyper at the time, it sort of took a while to get the legalities sorted. So again, I think I think it's a mix I think it's a mixture of both. Um they also I think would have learned their lesson from when we went down last year, uh, not last year, last time when we got rid of Martin Yol around this time, then got in Rennie Mullenstein 
and then got rid of him and got rid of him. I think there's a, there's a sense of we don't want to be that club again, sacking managers on a whim. Mm. Let's try and take it. That even if it takes us like one or two weeks longer, let's try and figure this out because we don't want to be going through. We don't want to be going through all this again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm still liking the Rafa shout. To be honest, I think Fulham and him would be a, would be quite a perfect blend. Now, like you said, it, it it makes quite a lot of sense. But um, in terms of the wider scale of, um, fan base, then is is it starting to turn for the manager? Um, yes, there. There were, it's, it's sort of grown week by week. And some of it, again, some of it people sort of could, ex- could excuse the results. Like, um, losing 5-1 to Arsenal to an extent is what a promoted team should mm. be doing when you think about it. Going up to Man City and losing, I think it was either 3 or 4-0. That's what they, that's what they should be doing. Uh, but it's the performance and it cut, the way that the players have come across and, you know, they seem to be not putting up um, not putting up that much of a fight for it. And it, it comes across as, you know, th- this guy has lost the dressing room. It's showing on the players. The players are taking some of the, some of the flack and some of the stick for it. But most of the, most of the fans are starting to say, right, the methods aren't working. He can't motivate the players. So it may now just be time to get a fresh, you know, get, get a fresh voice in the dressing room and see if we can, see if we can sort something out because, from what we've seen, and you know, Huddersfield, you know, Huddersfield away on Monday night was the was the epitome of it. Specifically, the first half was just the epitome of. I think he's, you know he's lost the dressing room. These guys aren't putting up the fight anymore. Well, if we if we stick with that game, then um, obviously, as you said, it he looks like he possibly lost the dressing room. Um, <sighs> What what specifically went wrong against Huddersfield? I did watch it. I mean, it was quite painful for for both teams watching it. But um, if we delve into a, a few issues at the club, obviously Huddersfield are awful. <laughs> Let's be honest. And I, I know they've got a, a, a strange relationship where they, they appreciate everything that's happened to them because they shouldn't be in the Premier League and stuff like that. But they are a bad team, and Fulham just didn't look to trouble them at all. I mean, just. What 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 do you think went wrong? Because I think you obviously started off the season quite well going forward, but you should. It just seems to have disappeared in recent games. It's what what's happened in terms of the attacking intent then. I just think that the the absolute. Um, I don't I don't I don't want to say a sham sham was that sort of too harsh of a word, but all the inconsistencies and all the problems that the defence have been having, just more or less has just moved its way up the pitch. Because if if we're um, conceding so many, that means the defenders, you know, have lost their morale, which means they're not winning the ball back to give to the midfielders, which means the midfielders then can't give it to the forwards, you know. And it, it started to show, for example, Alexander Mitrovic, who everyone loved and still does to an extent, love, mm. um, started off the start of the season well when everything was okay, but now that the atmosphere and the morale around the you know, around the defense has been so bad, as I say, it's just moved. Of the pitch now, Mitrovic isn't getting any any proper service. Um, it, it was one of our staples last year. Uh, uh, wingers, uh, wingers down the flanks, cross the ball in. Mitrovic was there to head as that big physical number nine. You just don't see that anymore. Um, again, I think the whole team has lost has lost its confidence. Again, we were okay at the start of the season. You know, we were okay um, losing you know three one away at Spurs because we because we scored at Spurs. We 
um, had that uh, 20 minutes or so where everything was good and we, we thought we got back into the game. We scored the four against Burnley. Everything's okay. But now when we just started leaking, leaking, leaking the goals, it's just knocked, it's just knocked the confidence all the way out of the team. Mm. Well, in, in terms of the lack of defensive stability at the minute, do you think that is down to the quality of the player or do you think it's down to tactics or do you think it's down to a bit of both? What, what do you reckon? Um, it's a bit of both. It's the, it's the tactics which, you know, is in, which is being implemented by the players. Like, I don't want to criticize, criticize the likes of Tim Ream and Dennis Adoy, uh, too much because they were fantastic for us in the second half mm. of last year. But, you know, they can only do the best they can, but their best just isn't good enough, you know, to be in the, you know, to be in the Premier League, which is why we went and got the likes of Callum Chambers and Alfie Mawson. We, who should be playing there, but the team selection, the way he wants to play, he, they're just the, our two best centre backs just aren't playing. So I don't want to put too much on the players because they're doing as best they can. But we have the better players there available. They're just not being they're just not being played. And there's also this whole uh, I think it's eleven games now. We've had eleven different back mm. fours slash fives. Some of it some of it's down to injury, so you, you can kind of excuse that. But even before that settled in, Slavisa Kanovic still, I and even now as we sit here on the 7th of November, I don't think knows what his best back four slash five, however you want to uh, put it in formation. I don't think he knows what it is at the moment and is just going to keep changing and changing. You can't, you can't have it. It's, it's one of the stats that I've used oh, many a time. When we went, uh, when we finished seventh in 2008-9 under Hodgson, I think we cha- we named an unchanged side eleven, an unchanged eleven, I think twenty five times or more. Mm. It shows that's the backbone of what you need to do to achieve, and we, we for one reason or another just aren't doing it. What 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 would you what would you prefer in the backline? And obviously you've. I think you've played three goalkeepers, and you said that it's your defence hasn't been hasn't been the same in eleven odd games. Um, what what's your personal preference? Because you've got well, you've got loads, you've got loads of choice. Obviously, you mentioned Mawson and Chambers there, or, or would you pref, would you prefer the old a bit of old guard yourself? What would you prefer in the back line? Um, personally, in terms of the goalkeeper, you can. Uh, now we you know we had all the last thing with um, Fabry and Marcus Benelli at the start of the, at the start of the year. Um, now I think it's Sergio Rico's to keep. I love Marcus Benelli because he's you know what he's one of our academy, he's one of our own and all that. And I think he's a decent Premier League goalkeeper. But I think we just need to stop chopping and changing now. Mm-hmm. We've got Sergio Rico who's played I think more than a hundred games for Seville, the one the Europa League is a good goalkeeper, and let's stick with him for now. I personally would. Uh, change up the tactics somewhat and you know, I sort of alluded to this earlier I go to a back three or a back five depending on how you look at it on a formation sheet it's uh, uh, Callum Chambers at right centre back, Alfie Mawson at centre back and Maxime Le Marchand at left centre back, similar to what uh, Gareth Southgate did um, did mm. at the World Cup that's that sort of for, that sort of formation and that sort of style of play is what is what I would, is what I would be doing, uh, get you know uh, get your wing backs back defending when you need to find back, and then when you need to attack, just get the bummy forward because we've got decent attacking fullbacks in Cyrus Christie and Ryan Sessignon. Even though he's more of a winger, he's done very well at left back this year. We've got the two. You need to start using them, getting width up the pitch 
to file the crosses into the to the likes of Mitrovic. That that, that personally would be you know, uh, you know, defense is the rock and the foundation and the starting point of all your of all your elevens. That is personally how I would how I would set up the team. Um, so if we just focus on Ryan, second so, because obviously he was a player who had a lot of focus on him coming into the, coming into the Premier League. I think he was linked with both us and Spurs at the start of last season for for big money. Um, you've obviously kept him. I think has he signed a new contract, or are they looking to sign him to a new contract? I think it's. Oh, we had so many contracts over this summer. I can't exactly remember. I think we're in. I think he may have signed one. But we're also looking to get another one. You, right, you called okay. me a that. I, I, I'll, <laughs> Sorry. Be honest, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't completely know. But he's he still got a decent length on his contract either way. But yeah. um, obviously you mentioned the back three there, and obviously he started, I think he started off there um, for a spell, and he seemed to suit left back and or left wing back being an attacking full back. And obviously he's been moved forward um, since. Do you think left wing back, it, it suits him perfectly? I know not lots of teams play back threes nowadays, but do you think wing back suits him perfectly? Um, I think he's more suited to be a left winger, but um, he saw, he's, he's developed over the past couple of years because you, you have Fulham fans whenever people in media would say, or you know, link, you know, Spurs linked with Fulham left back Ryan Sessignon, would adamantly you know, shout at you for saying, no, he's a left winger, he's terrible as a left back, he's a winger sort of thing. But to his credit, he's bulked up over the summer. He's become a much better defender um, overall. So I think he's got the ability, I personally would have him as a left winger, but given the way that our season's gone and we need to change some things up a bit, then I think he's going to have, uh, again, in my mind, I would have him a left wing. I'd have him a left wing back because that's where I think, yeah, uh, the best of both worlds. It, you know, his improved defensive abilities and his fantastic attacking abilities going forward. No, it's, it sounds it sounds interesting. I mean, I think every time a young English player uh, impresses, obviously gets a lot of reputation in the media and stuff like that. And um, yeah, if we'll focus on the game in a little bit, Matthew, but I'll, I'll just get uh, the Liverpool perspective and then we'll come back and do a, a focus on the actual fixture. So, Sam, um, not a great week uh, for Liverpool. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Um, I think the Arsenal draw is a good result, but obviously let's focus on midweek because it is... The horrendous result, and, and before we start, <laughs> Matthew said you can't compare it to the Huddersfield game. But I think, from our perspective, we probably can because Red Star was horrendous. Um, but what what do you put that down to then? Yeah, the, the Arsenal game, as you said, mate, it is it's a good point. I think it's the overreaction after that game was baffling, and it was just one of those things. I think it's just the the pressure of Manchester City being so. Mm-hmm. Good at the moment. We just know that we just can't afford to drop any points at all, and we're you know aiming for a hundred points. And I just don't think it's it's not realistic. We've just got to hope that they they drop their standards a little bit this year to give us a hope. Um, so obviously, then after the overreactions after the Arsenal game, we we were expecting a big performance against Red Star, and to everyone's surprise, we gave the exact opposite. And it, it's it's really, really hard to put your finger on it. Um, you know, looking at the team at the start, I was slightly worried with, um, I think the midfield was, was it Milner, Wijnaldum and Lalana? 
Yeah, Lallana um, was kind of further forward, though, wasn't he? Yeah. It's in- incredibly one-paced <laughs> and, la- and, and, and lacking imagination. Um, so, you know, all of them have their own attributes which can be of use, but none of them have the spark uh, that you need. So there was a bit of trepidation in regards to that, but after beating them so comfortably at home, you still expected us to come away with the points. Um, you know, I did mention in the post-match pod after the home game that they, they showed a few glimpses of decent attacking play at Anfield, even though defensively we were comfortable. So I did expect a tougher game away. And, you know, maybe that draw against Napoli, which we just assumed was a, a slip by Napoli, mm. was just kind of an indication that they're not... They're not these bums that people seem to be portraying them as. Um, at the end of the day, this is Champions League. It's, it's not the Europa League. They are good at home. There are teams like that sometimes in the Champions League where they seriously struggle away from home. But when they've got their, their home ground, their home crowd, that they can actually perform and, and cause us problems. So uh, I think blaming the performance, it's a combination of... Maybe us going into the game a bit too confident and not preparing mentally well enough for it. I don't know. We seem to go into it just expecting to win. And, you know, we, we, we didn't really seem to put the fight in. And that's really, really disappointing and, quite frankly, unacceptable for a team of our standard. Um, combine that with us having a number of injuries at the moment in key areas. Uh, especially midfield, um, you know, I think Kate uh, Henderson and Fabinho, maybe when he's hundred percent as well, you know, they're going to make big differences to this side. Um, and also combined with that, with Man, he's got his hand injury, which I I think might be having a little bit of an effect on him. Fabinho uh, out of form uh, and Salah. The boys in the front just aren't clicking together at the moment. So it's a combination of all those things, to be honest, mate, and really, really disappointing. But, you know, really confident that given time, they're going to find a solution for these problems. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the problems you mentioned was the midfield. And I think that was the big question mark coming into the season. I mean, maybe a lack of centre back, but obviously, Joe Gomez has has came about since then, but the midfield is one that people um, pointed at. Obviously, we've lost Coutinho and Chan in the last year or so. Um, and as you said, Fabinho's still not settled in 100%, and Kate has obviously been injured and, again, not settled in. So what do, what do you think of the midfield in general? And obviously, we've still got to play your Ginnies, your Hendersons and your Milners and stuff like that. But for me personally, I, I really want to see the new lads given a go now that Kate is fit and obviously Fabinho's had a couple of games under his belt, but I really want to see them as a two. What what do you reckon of the formation of the midfield and, and the personnel? Yeah, well, the personnel part, obviously, we, we've been hampered by a number of knocks, um, general injuries, and it, it's to key guys, so um, I, I'm not it's not working, is it, basically, at the moment, this midfield no. setup. It's, it's, you know, we've got this elite defensive unit now. Uh, Alisson paired up with Van Dijk and Gomez is one of the best in the league, if not in Europe at the moment, for just pure defensive work. You know, it's, it's really, really hard to get past those guys. So 
that's such a huge upgrade from this time last year. So then you're expecting then us to just continue to score on the same kind of, not to score, you know, because I don't think we're that far behind on, on goals or anything. It's, it's more a case of the, the the flow isn't there. You know, we're not clicking together. It's it's on the eye test where we're just not as entertained to watch. And we're looking a bit disjointed. And I think we've kind of got away with that because of the excellent defence rather than, you know, because we are still attacking well. I think it, it's it's really lucky that we have improved the defence so much because otherwise we might be in a spot of bother. But, uh, you know, luckily for us, the defence has improved so much. It, it's improved more than our attack has got worse. So we have actually had a net gain this season where we are picking up, <laughs> we are picking up a lot of points. So it, it's not all doom and gloom. It's just frustrating because we know that exact same bunch of lads can do it. So it, it's just a case of us trying to find the solutions for it. You know, I, I, I think, as you said, Milner now, he, he's a guy, he's had a really good start to the season, but with his age, the, the, there's going to be problems with legs at times. You know, I, I noticed in the game yesterday against Red Star, sometimes he, he really did look like he was running in treacle. You know, the, the guy puts in so much hard work, he works his ass off of the team. Never, you, you can't fault the guy, but at times, you know, we, we need to be able to rotate the guys. And because we've had so many injuries, I think we've, we've had to put too many minutes into some of the players and a lot more than we would have liked. Um, you know, I don't know whether I'm right in this, but for me, it feels like Firmino this season has been playing almost too much, almost too deep because mm. they're, they're, they're trying to get Salah through the middle more and more. And he's dropping in really deep. And I don't know whether that's because he feels like the midfield is struggling and they need help or, or what. But, you know, so, something isn't quite working there. Well, do you think Bobby Firmino's turning back into a number 10, that's obviously what we signed him into. I think um, it was on Sam Maguire's uh, Twitter. Uh, he, he posted heat maps and... Uh, how he affects the game, and it was much deeper than last year, and much more involved, which would obviously um, show him as a number ten. Um, obviously, we don't really have a number ten other than Adam Lallana. Uh, Ox is injured. Do you think that the fact we didn't get Fakir means that we've had to completely change the plan for this for this season? Obviously, as you said, Salah getting used more centrally, coming in more centrally, and Bobby's just he's, he's not the same as last season. Do you think? the lack of a signing of a number 10 has kind of made us rethink everything. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense because the, the Fakir signing would have fixed more than just the one problem because he's such a versatile attacking player. He, he could have played anywhere, front three or in the 10 position. So he, he could have then rotated the squad a bit more, maybe given the likes of Firmino a break then when the form isn't there. Um, so I think that, that it was really disappointing then that the what we think was a knee injury uh, problem that, that stopped them signing the guy. I'm not 100% sure. Mm. Maybe we will revisit it in January if, if this um, lack of attacking cohesion continues. You know, we, we might be revisiting, if not him, uh, a signing of similar ilk in, in January, I'd imagine. But, you know, looking forward now, I'm, I'm just thinking it's really, really hard to see 
what they're going they're gonna to have to change something, and I think it's going to have to be regarding the setup. You know, in in the game yesterday, I thought he was a bit brutal with with Sturridge. Uh, you know, Sturridge yeah. missed that really good chance at the start, and then the rest of the half, he just tried to take it on himself to to score the goal because he was so disappointed in making you know, in missing that chance. So he was making bad decision after bad decision. And then Klopp just bombed him out completely. And I, I don't think that's going to help us long term. You know, if, if Sturridge of old shows us anything is, even though he can kind of take it on himself a bit too much at times, he usually does eventually get the goal. So in my opinion, I thought maybe a, a talking to at half time would have been more wise rather than just completely bombing him out because now that, that might kind of affect his confidence again. And I think he's someone we're really going to need. Um, and again, Shakiri now, I think he is going to be really key for us up until January at least, because every time he's played for us so far, he seems to be the only guy we've got that, that's got that bit of spark or something different that we, we've kind of lacked ever since the Coutinho departure. So, um, maybe he's going to get a bit, bit of a bigger role now as the season progresses, just to try and get us that extra bit of creativity. Do you think Naby has got a, a, a big uh, role to play in terms of this lack of creativity? Obviously, we saw it in the first few games where everyone was getting excited, but we've not really seen it since. I know he's had a, missed a few games from injury. Uh, I think it was since the international break, wasn't it? Um, but do you think, in the little bits we've seen of Kater, he is that player who can fill the void that we're talking about? D- definitely. I think he, if you've seen enough of his his performances... Um, in in Germany, he was excellent. You know, he was such an explosive footballer. He can carry the ball, he can play through balls, and he can chip in with goals. It's something that we are desperately lacking in our midfield now, especially with Emery Chan leaving as well. You know, Chan had a lot of his critics, but something he did do was was carry the ball mm. um, and, and show a lot of strength in midfield. Um, and, and just try ambitious passes. And I think that was something that a lot of people got on his back because he'd lose the ball a lot because he'd be trying these more adventurous balls. But sometimes in football, you need to try things. Otherwise, you're just too damn predictable. And that, that's the position we find ourselves in at the moment. So, um, Kate is definitely the key, um, to us performing better in midfield. It's just the case of he seems to have had a couple of, Strange injury so far. You know, he, he had that mystery one uh, where it, it ended up being kind of passed off as a as a back injury, wasn't it? Um, mm. And he hasn't really been back since. So I think, unfortunately, you know, he, he's had a really good injury record over his career, and then as soon as he's come to us, then he's picked up that little little injury. So I just think it's a matter of time, mate. You know, once we do get him up to speed. Fabinho up to speed, we'll, we'll be a totally different animal. It's just really, really frustrating at the moment that um, you know we haven't got the personnel, I don't think, to be able to get things to flow well. And I think once we do sort out that midfield issue, that's when we might start seeing the front three firing again. Yeah, I won't ask you to name a team for the, for the weekend just yet, but obviously uh, a V-Red star, we obviously saw Lallana's 
revival continue? We saw Milner, as you said, possibly being overplayed. I mean, he's been off form since PSG for me. He's not been the same since then for me either way. But um, do you think it's time to to have some consistency in midfield? I mean, we haven't had that mainly because of injury, but we do like to change in midfield. But do you think it's time that we just put Lalana's revival on on the back burner and only using well the FA Cup springs to mind because I re- I'm sure you're the same. I want to see Fabinho and Kerr get real minutes now. Yeah, but I think it, I did burst out laughing when I looked at the agenda for this and I saw the Adam Lalana revival project. <laughs> what, what's the point? <laughs> and I thought it was that, a bit hard, Harry's but... Harry's words not mine, but oh, sentiment really? <laughs> shared. But, <laughs> sentiment uh, shared, I think. What's the point? And I I totally get where he's coming from, but I think it's just something that we 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 need to utilize the squad. We've had a really tough start to the season. Don't forget, uh, we we've played most of the tough away games in the Premier League already. Um, we, we, we've had some really tough fixtures. We, we've had Chelsea back to back in there. We've had Napoli away. We, we've had a lot of fixtures in a quick, you know, in a short time span. And I think the squad has really suffered and we've picked up lots of niggling injuries that has really hampered our progress. So when we've got a guy like Lalana coming back, he, he's going to get games because the other guys are, are walking wounded, basically. Um, so I, I, I'm with yourself and Harry. I don't think Lalana has got a future at the club going forward. I think he is kind of the antithesis of the Klopp way when it comes to attacking. In, in the fact that he, you know, keeps hold of the ball for really long periods rather than sprinting forward, getting the pass away first time. I, I do feel like he really does kill all momentum in our attack. So. Uh, he's he's got his uses. He's he's very talented at keeping hold of possession, and sometimes that is a very useful tool, especially when you've already got a lead. But when we're trying to counterattack on teams, it ain't half frustrating to watch, mate. So, um, yeah, I I think Lalana's just someone that we've had to utilize out of necessity more than anything else. Uh, Henderson, he he's. He's been out again. He's he's had a lot of injury problems over well ever since thirteen fourteen really, where he's had that foot mm. problem. I don't know whether he's ever really hundred percent recovered from all those issues because you know we know that guy can perform at a level when he's when he's fully firing. So yeah, it's just a combination I think, and you can't blame Klopp for utilizing the squad. Um, you know I think that there's an international break coming up shortly. That might be something we're actually welcoming again uh, this season, just to try and give the guys a bit of time to recover, so that the, the likes of Kater might actually become, you know, get fully fit again. And you know, Fabinho for me, he just has to start on the weekend. Yeah, I'll finish up the Liverpool segment with with Fabinho. Obviously, we saw him have um, three games in a row. Obviously, ended uh, with the Arsenal game, where he got a lot of criticism, but I think. For me personally, quite a lot of people overlooked uh, Ginny and uh, Milner in that midfield uh, poor performance. But uh, what are your thoughts on Fabinho? Obviously, we had those three games. We can not the best and the worst. I don't think he was ever horrendous. But do you think we saw enough there that there's something to build from? Definitely. I think 
Fabinho's he had two two consecutive starts where you know he looked excellent. I thought he looked a, a really really good player. Uh, you know, breaking up play, um, actually playing progressive forward passes, which is a criticism that has been levelled at a lot of our midfielders that they're they're kind of too they're too lateral with their passing and and not going for balls going forward. You know, they play the safe pass mm-hmm. a lot more. So. Um, I've had people citing Fabinho's uh, passing percentage completion being a bit low against Arsenal, but you've got to bear in mind he, he's a more progressive footballer than any of our other midfielders that are currently playing. So he's he's always going to be playing the more difficult passes. Uh, his performance against Arsenal was ridiculed in some quarters, and I was just baffled by the criticism. And I think a lot of it is is down to we love a scapegoat as a fan base, don't we? You know, we, oh, I, and, I, an, I, and an agenda. Don't forget that word. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, and, and we, we've all done it to an extent. You know, oh, I've I, been, yeah. I, I've done it with Lovren. Um, you know, obviously some got <laughs> got evidence to support it, but still, you do go <laughs> over the top, don't you? Everyone's got their favourite. Everyone's got players where you you let them off for mistakes more than others and you know Fabinho wasn't brilliant against Arsenal by any means I understand that but he was by no means our worst player that day and to say I've heard people say things like if Henderson plays instead of him we win the game and all that I, mm. I totally totally disagree Um so you know regards to that I think he's someone that's showing a lot of promise as you said, against Arsenal, there were there were more problems than just him. And again, we're not giving credit to Arsenal, who this season are have been playing really, really, really well. So it, it was always going to be a tough game away from home against them. And I think we're we're just expecting a little too much. So regards to Fabinho, I think we've seen um, which game was it where he was excellent at home. It was the Red Stars Red Star, game, wasn't yeah. it? Um, and that's exactly what I want to see against, you know, the the bottom half of the Premier League uh, at home. I want to see him playing because the the element of control that he had against Red Star in that home game, I think it really did give us the foundation we needed to then be able to kind of get our attacking mojo back. So for me, he he's an absolute must for us to start against uh, Fulham. Yeah, I fully agree, but. Um... We'll go into the the specific fixture then. I'll bring you back in, Matthew. Um, from from a Fulham point of view, uh, what what would you say are the key battles in this game then? Um, honestly, I think the match is going to be won or lost uh, purely based on how many goals we can keep Liverpool down to. So that's gonna come from the centre. So, so, so that's gonna come from our back line against against your front three. So it's whether or not uh, whoever whoever the defensive... I can't even guess the defensive lineup because whatever I think is going to be wrong to the amount of changes we've made. Um, it's about whether or not we can keep the score somewhat respectable. So it's going to be our back line against your front line. And then if we somehow manage to frustrate you, I don't see how we will because you're just too damn good. But whether or not we can maybe fluke one, you know, one set piece... Van Dyke misses it, which he really does. Uh, Virgil Van Dyke <laughs> misses a header. Mitrovic is there to tap, in, tap into the back post. Um, 
yeah, that's that's really that's really all I that's really all I can say. Is for us, it's really just about goal difference and keeping the score down. What what do you think the approach will be to the to the um, game then? Because obviously you've played quite a few of the big lads. Obviously you mentioned the Spurs game where it kind of looked promising. Uh, got battered by Arsenal. Is there a certain way you think you kind of will set up the team, or do you think you'll just try and put us on the counter? What do you reckon? Uh, hopefully, he'll have learned his lesson from the first half from the first half against Arsenal, where we actually did. Uh, where we, even though we conceded, even though we conceded one, we actually looked promising, created some chances, and kept the score somewhat respectable. And that was by playing. That was by playing three in the uh, three by playing three in the back. So hopefully he'll have learned his lesson from uh, playing Spurs, playing Man City, playing Arsenal, and you know this is one of the big guys. You can't um, expect to play your way and hope for something to come up. You've got to adapt to their style and sort of counteract it. So hopefully you know, he'll go for a, a three at the back end and hit on the counter. But you know even that I just can't. I just can't see it being enough. If I'm being brutally honest. Mm-hmm. And Sam, from our point of view, who, who do you think um, will be key for us? And is there anyone on the Fulham team that you're looking that may be able to stifle us or worry us? The guy I'd probably say from Fulham would be Mitrovic. He's one of those guys that's, that's got a big performance in him. And, you know, even though he's more the guy that would have worried me last season more, if you if you get what I mean, as in... Mm-hmm. Step pieces we can defend now. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. We've we've found a centre back partnership that works really well. But the concern for me is, if either or Van Dyke or Gomez is missing, the understanding seems to be completely gone this season. It's happened a couple of times where, when you've had to pull one out, usually Gomez, then the the, the replacement coming in like Matip um, yesterday, it it really it's surprising the drop off then. So mm. that, that's the concern. I'd imagine we should be okay to, to start them both again for the weekend. So that that's a big boost. Um, so that's obviously a key thing for us. Um, obviously, we touched on it earlier. I, I really do think Fabinho would be the, a really big key for us in this match because if we can gain the full control in the midfield area, there's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't be able to score some goals in this game. Um, Alfie Mawson is someone I've watched a lot of, uh, obviously being from uh, near the Swansea area. So I've seen a lot of him playing for Swansea over the years and he's he's an excellent defender, really, really good signing for Fulham. But I, I don't know what his fitness is like, whether he's going to be in contention to start this game on the weekend. But uh, he's had a few excellent performances at Anfield in the past for Swansea. So, you know, kind of hoping he won't be quite ready for this game because he's someone that might, you know, be able to cause us some problems when we're trying to attack them. But, yeah, I think, fingers crossed, mate, it should be okay. Yeah, hopefully. And, and, and Matthew, um, what, what have you made of Liverpool this season? I know Harry's been asking um, all the previous guests of, of the neutral perspective about Liverpool. What, what are your thoughts on us as a, as a team? Um... The, uh, it, it's cliche, but I think you are the closest that anyone is gonna, is going to be to match Manchester City. In fact, I, I'm not I'm not much of a gambling man, but if I did, I would have put my ten pounds on you lot to win the league. I think the addition of Allison was you know 
similar to how we had Mitrovic was just that mm. last missing piece of the puzzle. I think Allison's more or less the same for you. Now you've actually got a somewhat competent goalkeeper. Even though I still think Simon Mignolet was partially true. I, I could quite quite like Mignolet personally, but now you've got the goalkeeper issue fixed. I think that that, that should be it. And if you are still one piece short, I would say this in January. Go and get Aaron Ramsey to fill that midfield. You get Aaron Ramsey, you will win the title this year. That's all I'm saying. You're just, trying to, pl- you're just trying to please the Welsh bloke here, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm Welsh myself, so absolutely I am. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, but no, that's quite interesting. It, 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 I'm not a gambling man, but that Man City team is scary. But yeah, I think that's the biggest compliment people were given this season, that we're the closest to Man City. Um, but... Quite a lot will depend on injuries and etc. But um, if we go back to the game, um, just before we come to predictions, I know, Matthew, you obviously mentioned you couldn't predict the defence at all. But in terms of your attacking line and your midfield, would you hazard a guess at um, who would be starting for you? Um, I'd take a guess. Um, Tom Kenny is back to full fitness, so he'll be there He'll be there in the centre midfield. Um, alongside him... Um, I think this is because this, this game's on TV, isn't it? It's twelve o'clock PT. I so, think so similar, yeah. yeah. So similar to how Newcastle players a couple of years ago only ever turned up on TV games because they knew the scouts were watching them, so they knew they could get out of it. I think John Michel Seri is going to start and he's going to put in a blinding performance because he's going to say, "Right, get me out of here as soon as possible, Barcelona, please come get me." Um, and then in midfield, I personally, he was a calming influence on. Uh, on Monday night when he came on. He just calmed the whole thing down and actually gave us a bit of attacking oomph going forward. I'd go for Kevin McDonald, who m- many Fulham fans will actually say is our true captain rather than uh, rather than Tom Kenny. So that would be my midfield three. Charlotte and Mitrovic are probably, may- are probably more or less nailed on to be two of the three attackers. Then it's more than likely going to be Luciano Vietto as the final one. But, you know, as much as the, the defence is uh, very fluid this season and can change and can change at the drop of a hat, the same really goes for the attacking lineup as well. I wouldn't be surprised if Floyd Aite suddenly makes an appearance on the left wing for no apparent reason. Or, or Abubakar Kamara, just, just on a whim, he decides, decides to go, right, Andy Robertson against um, uh, Abubakar Kamara. Yeah, that'll be a laugh. Go on. I, I, honestly, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I only know of uh, Abubakar Kamara because of the AK-47 bit, and uh, yeah, mad yeah. respect for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and his incredible diving ability. Oh yeah, that was brilliant the other week. That yeah. was brilliant the other week. Uh, <laughs> but um, Sam, from from our point of view, who who would you like to see start? And I think obviously we've got our usuals and stuff, but what what would you like to see from the starting eleven? Yeah, um, regards to the starting eleven, pretty much identical to the Arsenal game uh, but with one change so obviously Alisson and goal, Robertson, Van Dijk Gomez and Trent uh, even though Trent's form's been a bit ropey I'd, I'd like to see him play through it and I think he, he's got the passing ability that might unlock some doors for us in this game so I, I'd, I'd like to see him play through the, uh, the the poor runner form and maybe try and get, give him a chance to get through that Um Fabinho and Wijnaldum as uh, as the the two in midfield and the the kind of front four in a way rotating I suppose 
um, would be Mane, Firmino, Salah and Shakiri. I think Shakiri would have been desperately disappointed not to be allowed to play in that game in midweek. I think he, he would have put in a big performance in that game, but obviously safety comes first and I totally understand why they made the decision they did. So I think he's going to be chomping at the bit for this game. He, he had a really good uh, cameo against Cardiff in the home game and, and helped us see them off. I think he's someone that's really going to be key in this game for us. So I think it's vital that we get him starting the game and, and don't give Fulham any sort of chance to uh, get any sort of momentum or get their tails up by trying to get them you know, put to the sword early. Yeah, I fully agree with that starting eleven. I, I, I want to see the four-two-three-one and that that, that starting eleven come back. Um, but we'll finish with score predictions. Uh, Sam, I'll start with you. What do you reckon the score will be? <sighs> I I I don't want to jinx it, right? But it's it's got to come back now. I, I, we're at home. We've been excellent in the league this season when it comes to results, at least. And they're going to get a huge bollock in off Klopp after that performance in midweek. So you've got to expect a big performance now. I'm, I'm sure Fulham fans all over the country would have been really disappointed to see Liverpool lose that game because they're then expecting a backlash. So um, I'm going to go for an adventurous 4-0 win for Liverpool. Oh, hopefully that's true. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that's true. But uh, Matthew, from uh, your point of view, what do you reckon the score will be? I think you've taken the words exactly out of my mouth. You know, it, you know what's even worse is that it's an it's a it's an international break coming up. So you know, if this was the weekend before a crucial Champions League game, then we may have got off slightly because it would have been the likes of Divock Origi and Danny. Is Divock Origi still with you guys? By the way, technically, he, technically, came, he came on, on as a sub on. the other day. <laughs> There we go. So, Divock Origi, it would have been Danny Ings, it would have been all that lot, or Daniel Sturridge as the um, as the, the, the reserves coming out. We would have had a bit more of a fighting chance. But no, as you mentioned, it's the last game before the international break, so everyone's going to play. And Klopp would have given them a rollicking on, on Wednesday and say, right, we're not doing that again. We've got Fulham coming up, bottom of the league. Let's go out and, fight and try and get some mojo back. So, I'm more, I, I agree with you, 4-0. To you. I don't think I need to specifically. <laughs> there's, there, there, I shouldn't really have had to say the to you bit, but you get what I'm going from. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll finish up there and and we'll come to uh, plugs. Um, Sam, anything you want to let the people know of? Uh, um, no, I'm going thing new out at the moment, mate. But uh, if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, uh, my handle is at Sambo Evans. Good stuff. And Matthew, anything you want to let the people know of? Um, no, not personally, other than um, if any uh, uh, Liverpool fans wish to um, pry into the uh, the uh, seeing eyes of what go- what's like, it's like to uh, be a much smaller Premier League club, there's Everton uh, fan board, and there's also a Fulham fan board as well. So Fulham Focus is the is your place to go. That's who I uh, that's who I work uh, work for. That's who I blog for. That's who I podcast for. So if ever you just fancy learn, you know educating yourself more about the footballing world, then come and join us on Fulham Focus. Good stuff, good stuff. And uh, I've been the host, Guy Drinkle. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.